Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. The pressure of favor. If I can draw your attention to verse 39 where it says, yes, Jesus went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. To be honest, I'd be surprised if this passage is new to you or unfamiliar to you. I think this is a familiar passage to you. I think when we preach around Easter, when we talk about Christ, when we talk about the crucifixion, we all know about Gethsemane. We all know that this is the place where Jesus was arrested. We all know this story here is in all of the Gospels. And there's little different pieces in it. And one of the tellings of it, they say that this moment he sweated so much that the the sweat was like blood some actually used to say that he actually sweated blood then they you know and then they I remember reading a bunch of science back when I was in school about can you actually sweat blood and etc but this is a, a familiar idea as a matter of fact when you hear the word Gethsemane, if you've been around church and church, familiar with Christianity, familiar with the cross, Gethsemane is pretty much a word that you're familiar with, right? Right? When I say Gethsemane, you're like, yeah, right, Gethsemane, the garden of Gethsemane. That's what we think of it. And and I got you. Let, let me just give you just just in case you're not aware that 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 what Gethsemane actually means because the word Gethsemane is it's not just a garden where there's olive trees okay and I when I went to Israel I actually went there and and one of the things that's interesting about the olive tree is that really it's one root under the ground shooting up different pieces of tree it's an olive tree is an olive grove is one tree with multiple above ground shoots common root but roots come out and something comes up so when when an olive tree actually dies even though that tree died the tree next to it is really the same tree from the same root So the point that they were making to us is it's absolutely possible that the olive trees that we were walking amongst in that are the exact same olive trees that were around around the time of Jesus. I don't know if it's actually true, but it sounded really great. And I was like, really awesome. That's wonderful. It was a place where there were olives. But but Gethsemane doesn't mean just a place of olives. Gethsemane means a place where olives are pressed. Gethsemane means olive press, and, and it's, it's significant if you're not aware of it because the way that you get olive oil is not by blending up olives 
and getting, that'll give you olive juice. If you want olive oil, what has to happen is the olives have got to be put under pressure. And the pressure squeezes oil out. You don't get oil without pressure. So, for everybody in the room, like me, who is feeling under pressure, maybe it's because your next level of anointing is about to happen in your life. God is trying to get some oil. You don't get oil without pressure. You don't get oil without something being on you heavy and something that's squeezing you and something that sometimes, I don't know if you've noticed this in your life, but sometimes when it's time for you to go to the next level in God, the Lord has to allow something challenging to happen in your life to get you the tools for you to be ready for your next battle. You don't just fight Goliath just to fight Goliath. You fight Goliath to get his sword. Any church people in here know the Bible? See, some of you are fighting a Goliath, and you think it's the Goliath, but it's not. You, just like David fought, David fought lions and tigers and bears, oh my, to be prepared to fight Goliath. But Goliath wasn't the last battle. He fought a lot of battles after Goliath's battle, but he got Goliath's sword. So Gethsemane means a place of pressure. And so the thing that's interesting is that Jesus is close to the cross. I want you to consider this now. Jesus is close to the cross. He knows he's about to be crucified. He knows that. And he decides to go to a place called pressure to deal with the pressure. All kinds of places he could have went, but he decided to go to a place called, let's press out the oil. Let's, not just some garden, but he went to Gethsemane. He went to a place that means pressure as he was dealing with his pressure. I, I'm sorry, I think this is a unique point. Because I think that a part of the challenge for many of us is we're so busy fighting against the pressure that we don't gain the anointing that will come from the pressure if you'll just embrace the pressure. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. Don't be so caught up in what's the ideal that you can't deal with the blessing that is attached to your right now. Because if you could ever just say, yep, this is where I be. Sometimes instead of fighting it, I just have to embrace it. Yep. I'm a black man, yep, you're a black woman, yep, you're a white person, yep, you're short. Dude, you're short, don't get no hot, doesn't break. Be the baddest 5'4 dude in the world. Be like, that's right. You can't fight it, you short. You thick. Love it. Own it. Embrace it. Decide. This is where I am now. This is not where I'm always going to be. But I also have to understand, at this point right now, 
I'm 70. Talking to my dad the other day, I said, how you doing, old man? He said, old man, I'm a young man. I said, you 77. <laughs> Give it up. Embrace it. Jesus is under pressure and decides to go to a place called pressure. It doesn't mean you accept it. It means you roll with it. We're exerting more energy fighting against the truth than we are even gaining anything. There's a, there's a lesson. There's a power that can come if we can just simply say, well, I'm under extreme pressure. My soul is overwhelmed to the point of sorrow. Jesus becomes extremely distressed, very upset, very bothered. I don't know. We don't talk about this a lot. We don't talk about the humanity of Jesus enough to me. But Jesus is stressed out. Jesus is stressed out. Jesus is so stressed that he's upset that people are sleeping when they should be praying. Oh, I wish I had a witness. Jesus got people close to him, and he's saying, hey, can y'all pray with me? He, he goes to Gethsemane. He says to the guys, he, Peter, James, and John, the closest guys, he says, yeah, I need y'all to come and pray with me. He goes over and says to God, my soul, he says to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Y'all stay with me and watch with me. And he goes off and prays and comes back and finds them sleeping and is bothered that they're asleep. This is Jesus. You hear what I'm saying? This is Jesus. So for any of us who are under pressure, for any of us who are dealing with stress or feeling like we're overwhelmed with sorrow, it's okay to admit it. I don't know why it's so quiet in here. It's okay to admit it. Jesus admits this is stressful. Jesus admits this is a tough thing. And to my point, Jesus <laughs> says the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. He's not just talking about us and y'all he's even talking about himself he's in this flesh and he's like man this is tough as a matter of fact listen to the prayer think about it Jesus is on the verge of Calvary he's about to be whipped crucified he knows he's going to be raised from the dead. See, most of us, whatever stress or pressures we're dealing with, we don't know the future. The Lord Jesus has already told them, the Son of Man must go in here, be hand over to sinful man where he's going to be crucified, and on the third day, he'll be raised to life. So he knows that the death is temporary. You don't know how temporary your situation is. Jesus knows that his situation is temporary and still says to God, um, is this the only way for this to happen? I thought I'd get a better amen out of that. 
This is Jesus Christ. This is God incarnate. This is the Messiah saying to the Lord, now, Lord, look, if it's possible, <laughs> let's do this another way. <laughs> I know that I, I know I said, all right, I know I'm supposed to die for this sinner. I know this for this reason I came. But as I'm getting close, I'm going to tell you right now, if we got another way to do this, let's have a conversation about it. Is there another way to get this done? Don't act like you ain't never prayed that prayer. Don't act like you have never come to a place with God where you're like, now, Lord, uh, I don't want to deal with her. I'm sorry. I don't want to deal with him. I'm sorry. I don't want to deal with this. This is bothering me. I don't want this. I'm not interested. I don't want to go here. If there's any other way for me to get my, if there's any other way for me to get my blessing, if there's any other way for this to happen, can we talk about that? Is that possible? Can we have a conversation around how we're going to save everybody? Because as I'm getting close to it, I know it's for this very hour that I came. But as I'm getting close to it, I'm not liking what I'm about to deal with. I need an honest somebody around. I'm not liking this. I ain't feeling it right now. Jesus is saying, I ain't feeling this. But not my will but thy will be done. This is Gethsemane. Everybody say Gethsemane. No, no, say it. Say Gethsemane. I would like to invite you to Gethsemane. Not get it to me. No, Gethsemane. We want to go to a whole lot of places. I don't know how interested we are in going to Gethsemane. We jump in the car with God and say, where are we going? And the Lord says, I'll let you know when we get there. Then as you get closer, the Lord says, Lord, are we there yet? And the Lord says, yeah, we're almost there. Where are we going? Well, I'm taking you to Gethsemane. Taking you to Gethsemane. I, I want you to feel what Gethsemane feels like. I, I, I don't know about you. I, I know I ask a lot of questions of the text. I don't know if you ask, but I ask these questions because it's where I am. I'm like, I don't know if I'm interested in going to a place of not my will, but thy will be done. Especially not today. Today, what we want is we want God to make our will happen when we want God to make our will happen. We have an idea what we want from God, son. We are talking to God. We are praying. We're believing. We're fasting. We want God to move when we say move. We want God to basically just do what we want. If we face any kind of problem, we might have a conversation with God. But mostly, we grumble, we complain, we fuss, smile, we tell everybody we can know about how stuff ain't working for us. And we got a small little attitude and we're on the verge of not being Christians no more. Because we have a little bit of a theology that if God's alive, he'll rescue me from every problem. And if God is real, then he won't let me experience any pain. And if God is really real, then won't nobody be sick and won't nobody be hungry and won't nobody have water and won't nobody blah, 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 blah. Because we 
think that God is just here just to make us happy and make everything perfect all the time. I need a witness in the building. And when the Lord says, hey, can I take you to Gethsemane? We're like, Gethsemane? What's that? Well, it's a place where there's going to be a pressure on you. And it's going to squeeze something out of you that you didn't know was in you until the pressure came on you. And you think you know me until I take you through what I'm going to take you through. And when you get out the hospital, son, you're going to realize my God is able. And you realize that there's an anointing in you that don't come without the pressure. Somebody say something to me in this room because you know I'm telling the truth. But it's a hard prayer. Lord, if it's possible, let this cancer pass. Lord, if it's possible, let this challenge. Lord, if it's possible, let this difficulty pass from me. Lord, if it's possible, let this thing that I don't want to deal with, this supervisor, this attitude, this this mouthy, this, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. That's what we pray. We don't pray, but not my will, but thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. Can I clarify something? Somebody said to me the other day, oh, Pastor Andy, I know you don't like kids. I'm like, it's not that I don't like kids. I love kids. I was raised around kids. I'm the oldest of eight. I've been around kids forever. I, my, my, edu- my education is in education. My minor was psych, emphasis in child development. I was a teacher. I love kids. It's not kids I don't like. It's punk parents. Sorry. <laughs> If you're somebody's mama, let me tell you what your job is. Gethsemane. Say it, Gethsemane. No, no, say it, Gethsemane. Your job is not to break their spirit, but it's to break their will. But I don't want to go to bed. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. But I don't want to brush my teeth. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Anybody's mama teach them Gethsemane where? I asked my mama why one time. She said, yours is not to reason why. Yours is but to do or die. I said, die? Die? We killing people up in here? They would tell you stories. And in the Bible time, they took kids and drug them outside of the city and stoned them. I'm like, wow. I just forgot to take out the trash. You going to stone me? Gethsemane. Your father in here, your job is Gethsemane. Love, teach, wonderful, hey, great, ha, ha, ha. But if I tell you to do something, you better move, and you better move quick. 
I'm not preaching to nobody but myself. When you, come on, you've all been there. Well, you see that hesitation where they're trying to figure out, do I want to go? Do I want to come? Come here, little friend, friend. And they're like, do I want to come over there? I don't want if I want. Did they start moving slow? That deserves a pop. You better move quicker because the job is Gethsemane. Gethsemane. Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Not my will, but thy will be done. I don't know if I really feel like doing that, but not my will, but thy will be done. You can't keep a job without Gethsemane. The devil has attacked me financially. No, you don't understand Gethsemane. They said we need you to come in at 2 o'clock. You don't feel like going in, but not your will. Jesus is reasoning. Do you all see this? Jesus is reasoning with God. He comes back and says, Lord, look, I know I just was fussing about the cup. If the only way for it to pass is for me to drink it, as you will, not my will, but thy will be done. Isaiah 1, the Lord says, come now, let's reason together, says the Lord. Let's have a conversation together. Let's talk about your future. Let's reason. Now, if your sin is as scarlet, it shall be as wool. And I tell you what, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land. And if you resist and rebel, you'll be devoured by the sword. The mouth of the Lord is spoken, meaning I'm giving you a choice. I'm going to give you some options. Let's have a conversation. Let's reason together. Let's be reasonable. And let's have a conversation about what you're going to do. We are looking at Jesus on the verge of Calvary, having a reasonable conversation with God the Father about Calvary. We are talking about a God of dominion, and we're talking about him saying through his prophet, hey, let's reason together. I'm going to give you some choices. How does God reason and do favor? How are those two things together? This is the question I asked last week. I'm going to answer it. I got 18 minutes left. How, how does God reason and do favor? Because favor is dominion. Favor is he makes stuff happen over top of what other folk might want to have happen. Favor in your life is, it ain't fair. Favor in your life is, folk are upset about it. Favor in your life is, folk are a little bit jealous of it. Favor in your life is God is doing something by favor. That's him exerting dominion. But how does God exert dominion over a people that he's willing to say, well, hey, let's reason together, says the Lord. We got into this a little bit last week in which I was saying, that I think we don't really understand dominion because most of the time we see it from men. And men in their insecurity, when I say men, I mean humans. Humans in their insecurity turn dominion into domination. 
So to them, this is, this is extremely foreign because it's almost impossible to come to grips with a God who exercises dominion and still gives people choices. Because for us, the way that dominion is usually exercised is you got no choice. I dominate you and you do what I say. You have no choices. So when we start to think about dominion and the way that dominion and especially God's dominion has been communicated to us is through a stricture of rules that limit choices, but that's more a reflection of man's dominion and man's domination and not God's. What I'm suggesting for your consideration, and I would contend, somebody said to me, you say that every week, yep, I would contend that when you're God, you ain't shook by people having choices. So the way you exert dominion is different than the way humans exert dominion because humans exert dominion based on insecurity. Somebody that got to know where you are every second is insecure. Somebody who got to check your Instagram and check your phone and let me see. That is insecurity. That's what that's about. So anyone who leaves you with no choices, that's not dominion. It's not really how God exerts dominion because here is one of the best, biggest, most major prophets saying to us a word from the Lord in which the Lord says, come now, let us reason together. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the best of the land. There's two paths before you, life and death, blessings and cursings. Will y'all choose life, please, because I love y'all. Can you choose life? Because there are consequences down that path. It's not that I make that happen. That's where it leads to. Can I get a witness in there? Has anyone learned that yet? The way I was taught it, and I know everybody wasn't taught holiness, but the way I was taught it was it's wrong because it makes God mad. And as I've aged, I've come to the understanding that it makes God mad because it leads to death. It makes God mad because it's a bad thing to do. He knows what's going to happen if you go down that path. And many of us have been like, okay, and gone down that path and went down there and found out, you know what? I should have listened because this is a whole lot of pain down here. And we come back to the Lord and the Lord is like, I told you. I told you. And so the question I asked last week, and I'm going to answer it, and I know I'm going to stop beating around the bush, is, okay, so how does God exert his dominion over a planet full of free people? Because we have free, well, we have free choices. So how does God exert dominion? How does he exert this favor and still be reasonable? Because most folk who are in dominion are not reasonable. One of the reasons why we have a democracy is we're terrified of monarchs because they have a tendency to become unreasonable. And so how does God 
exert dominion and still be reasonable. Why is God so secure? How does, his, how does he exert dominion that's different from man's? Okay, I've got several ways for you. I'm going to give them to you. I have seven of them because that's what I do. Okay, seven is God numbers of, God's number of perfection. Let me give you seven. Hopefully, I'll get to all of them. i got 13 minutes left. I'm going to pray for you and let you go. The first one, the, the first path of God's, of God's dominion, number one, is creation. Creation. God started off exerting dominion by the fact that he made the world. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and all that, that, that dwell therein, because he established it on the seas. He founded it upon the waters. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. In essence, it says, well, God made the rules. God set the boundaries. He exerts dominion in that he's the one that made the earth in the first place. He's the one that made the wind. He's the one that made the water. He's the one that made the sea. He's the one that made the animals. He's the one that made food and digestion. He, he set it all up. He started it off with him being creative. His creation is the beginning of of his dominion. He created us with free will. <laughs> he created us in his image. He created us in a world of beauty and blessing. He started it off in a certain way. He's like, well, the plan that he had is a plan that he started the world with his plan for us. So right in creation, we see his dominion. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. I'm trying to just talk about God, but I can't help but, but see the, the connection, the, the, the point of it, and that is that when you have creative power, you're not intimidated by anybody else. You're the one that made it happen, and if you're the one that had the idea, you don't, and if you had this idea, you can have another one. So a part of the reason why God is not insecure and a part of the reason why the Lord can say, hey, come now, let us reason together is because God is the one who started it in the first place. And we have to realize that the, the attack of evolution, which is it's kind of interesting how evolution has been kind of pushed out of the conversation now, okay, because there's there's certain communities that don't want evolution. It's so interesting how it used to be such a big deal for the church, and now it's a little bit of a lesser issue because if there's evolution, then then some of these traits would have been. Anyway, I don't want to get into that into that argument. But my point is is that the attack of evolution is an attack against the very foundation of God's dominion. One of the first ways in which God exerts dominion is through creation. 
What's the second way? The second way that God exerts dominion, and, and hopefully you're writing them down or putting them in notes somewhere in your phone or somewhere, is, is there's no way you're going to remember them, but, I, but I'll give them to you. The second one, you can take a picture of it. The second one is connection. God exerts dominion through connection. He creates a way for us to be connected to him. So he doesn't have to necessarily just walk around wielding authority if he's ready to be influential. He creates a world, and then he says, hey, come now, let's reason together. Hey, let's talk. He's walking with them in the garden through the cool of the day. He's establishing connection with them. He'll speak to you. There is a connection that he has. He doesn't have to dominate from afar he can lead you from within he's like well I'll just get near you I'll just get connected to you I don't know if anyone's ever asked your advice and you're at a place where you're like I could either tell them what I really think or I can agree with them and walk with them and lead them to truth because sometimes if I tell them what I really think, they're going to get mad at me for telling them truth. They can't handle the truth. That's a movie from the law. So what I'm going to do is I, I, have a, I can see it. If I tell them the truth, I'm going to lose a relationship with them, and they're going to need me. They're going to need me. I... This has happened with some of my adult children. I'll disagree with you. I realize you're grown. You think you know what you're talking about. So I'll disagree with you and just walk with you for a while. I'll be able to turn you slowly. Because I can help you through connection to you better than I can help you by making you mad. And now you don't want to have nothing to do with me. And now you're all the way over here. A part of the reason why the world is in so much trouble is because the church severed its connection to the world. We decided to condemn the world instead of connect to the world and lead them. Now we have no voice. They don't want to hear nothing we have to say. They think we're crazy. And now the world is upside down and we don't have any kind of way. Y'all know I'm here, I'm past Andy, but I got a TikTok. I got, I'm TikTok famous, I suppose. And on my TikTok, I'm, not, I'm answering, I'm talking and I'm answering things in a way that may not necessarily just be Pastor Andy. I'm trying to have a conversation with the world. And you know who gets mad at me? Church people. Because church people want me to only talk church stuff. And I'm like, listen, if you want me to exegete a passage of Scripture like I'm doing right now, come to church. But can I be grown? Can I be a grown man? Can I be 55, please? Can I comment on the world without you getting your panties all in a twist? Why do everything I got to say got to be the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost? Get back to the Word. Get back to the Word. I'm, on, I'm in the Word right now, but when I'm on my back porch, can I talk? See, this is what happened. We decided that favor only belonged to church people. We decided to condemn the world and push them out. 
and we have no connection to them and we have no way to actually lead them to truth because we judge them instead of loving them and the truth of the matter is you used to be stank just like them. Don't make me get prophetic and call nobody out in here. If it had not been for the Lord on your side, you raggedy somebody. Two of my sons, my two sons, two of my sons are doing, they're doing better than doing amazing, doing better than ever. One of my sons is in Bible school right now. Do you know how I help my son? My sons, the heathens, they're straight now. They're so saved. Do you know how I helped them? I admitted that they got the heathen gene from me. Oh, I wish I had a witness in the building because that's where they got it from. Oh, I need a witness in the building. She's just so fast. Where'd she get that from? <laughs> Look at her walking with it stuck out. Where'd she get that from? I just don't like his attitude. Where'd he get that from? What you mean? Yeah, right. He got it honest. Because you got an attitude. And you got something to say. And you cuss. Oh, don't nobody want to say amen on that one. Right? Can we be honest? Right? Right? Let somebody cross you the right kind of way. You'll be like, don't get me. This is the Lord's day. Right. Because your heathen is covered with Jesus. And you need to come in here every day, every Sunday. Let me get some Jesus in here because the heathen's in there. I mean, out. You heathens. Right? Y'all remember the movie Jason? With J Jason is down. No matter how they kill Jason, he always come back somehow. Everybody in here got a Jason. Don't make me call you out. Everybody in here got a Jason down there rattling in the cage. Let me out. I like hoes. All of us got a Jason. Tell the truth in here. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Half this church is men. Tell the truth, gentlemen. That whole walk by, you're like, woo. <laughs> right, stay, come on. I know your girl is here. She's looking at you like, I know not you. <laughs> not only did he connect us to him, he created us in a way to be connected to each other. We're a communal species. We need each other. We're connected to each other. And through that connection, dominion is established. The Lord doesn't have to lead you just himself. He can lead you through people that you're connected to that he's leading. This is why it breaks my heart when people just decide to sever all connections, all relationships to heathens. Because you should only do that if they're making you worse. But what if you're making them better? Right, Pat? What if you're making them better? Touch not the unclean thing. What are you talking about? There's, there's got to be a way that people's lives can be impacted. 
Because the third way that God creates dominion or exerts dominion is community, culture. Culture. Culture is so powerful. Community is so powerful. Community, it starts you from birth doing something. One of the things that's so interesting about the children of Israel is you are born into a belief. He comes in, he's like, all right, we're going to make a people, and now the Jews are, they are born into it. It's like the Lord decides, I'm going to build my people the easiest way to do it, and that is through the natural process of you meeting people. Elder Clark, we out here giving out tracts and trying to get folks saved, right? That's what we're trying to do because we're trying to grow the church through salvation, hallelujah. But the way they grew the church is marrying and having babies, and every kid they had is another Jew. That's how they all are growing. That's how the Muslims are growing so fast. They're not growing proselytizing. They're growing through the process of culture and community. We're the only ones who don't know how to actually get our community back together, my God, and to create a culture. As a matter of fact, right now, our community is scattered. Talking about African Americans, I know there's folk walking around the world, but Afri my, my people, African American people, our communities are scattered and our culture is wretched. Say amen before the Lord show up here and you know it is. We're on the wrong side. If anybody needs family, it's us. We are aligned with the wrong side of this argument. Because one of the ways in which God exerts dominion is he gets people to build as a result of a connection to him and a connection to each other. It builds a kingdom culture. And culture is the dominion secret weapon. Culture is the dominion secret weapon. Culture is an insidious way to establish dominion. You end up doing things without thinking about it. And through subtle influences through the culture, your whole thought changes. And the next thing you know, you're fighting against a thought in your culture that is all of a sudden powerful and is starkly, seriously impacting culture. Just the way the world works, there is a ramp on this stage because I couldn't build this stage without a ramp on it because it had to be handicapped accessible. We reached a place, not no shade, praise God for it. But my point is, is 
There are laws that are passed and rules that are passed and ideas that are established and thought that is, cut, that is sent in. And the Lord didn't even give the law to Moses until they were about to make a nation. Moses is raised in Pharaoh's house. So the Lord gets a deliverer from out of the government of Egypt, the most powerful nation on the world, because they're about to go make a nation. And so we have to realize that culture is this secret weapon of dominion. And it is one of the ways in which God exerts his dominion. It's not just what it is. We create a connection to him. We communicate with him. We communicate with one another. We establish a culture. And that culture and that community infects all of us and impacts our children. And the next thing you know, we're all praying. The next thing you know, we're all believing. The next thing you know, we're all confessing. The next thing you know, we're all studying. The next thing you know, we're all naming and claiming. And then when we bring children into the earth, we teach them to pray. And we teach them to go to church. And we teach them to love the Lord. And they teach their children to love the Lord. And this thing spins and spins and spins. The Lord doesn't have to exert dominion the way we do. He's brilliant in his ability to get uh, dominion in. I'm going to give you one more and I'm done. I'll let you go. Okay, I know I'm over time. Now, just one more. Can I give you one more? Last one. The fourth way that God exerts dominion is compassion. <laughs> because you'll really show how bad you are when you can forgive. Did you know that? It is harder to forgive than it is to stay angry. So the weaker you are, the longer you hold on to your anger. When you really have power, you can let folk go because what they did can't really hurt you. What can man do to you if God be for you? Who can be against you? Oh, my God. If you are mad right now about something somebody said about you, it's because you think they have power over you, but they do not. The devil is a liar. Death and life is in the power of your mouth. They can say whatever they want, sweetheart. They can hate you as much as they want. They can't touch you. They can't hurt you. You say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. The compassion that God exerts with us is a way in which he leads us. He exerts dominion over us by removing our transgressions from us. He says, let me show you how God I am. I forgive you. I absolve you. I justify you. It's just as if you've never sinned. When the prodigal son comes home and his dad puts a ring on his finger and, a, and shoes on his feet and a robe on him, he's, he is giving him, by doing, by giving him, by being compassionate, he is showing that there's nobody like him. If his son came home and he was mad at him for a year, that would be common. But for him to treat him like he didn't mess up is power. And if you really have power, you can let people go.
I'm going to speak that over everybody right now. If you really have power, you can forgive your oppressor. Because compassion is power. And what you realize, yeah, look, but what they did to me did not kill me. I'm still here. Look, I'm still here. That's what you meant, but I'm still here. What you did, you meant that for evil, but God has meant it for my good. And God has turned it around for my good. Why would I be mad at you? Look at what the Lord has done for me. By God being compassionate to us, he leads us with love. And there's no greater tool of leading than love. I've got three more I didn't get to. I'll share them with you next week. Anybody hear a word from the Lord this morning? Can you put your hands together if you heard a word from the Lord? Can we give? Keep clapping. Can we give? Like, yeah, let's give. All right, let's give to the work of the kingdom of God where the, the gatekeepers are moving, and I, want the, the, I want you to give, and we're, this is our building fund offering, and this is when we've been paying on the pledge. You can even make a donation towards Victory Park. We're still raising our money, and uh, as we're on our way to this building that we're building, it's more than just a church building. It's a building that's going to impact the community. It's a building in which we're going to actually be able to keep a connection to the world. If you're mad about my TikToks, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because I want us to be saved and fill with the Holy Ghost and love God and know Jesus. And as a result of that, I want us to have compassion. Can I get a witness in the building? Did you hear what I said? I want you to know the Lord well. I want you to know him. I want you to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I want you to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's evil schemes. And I want you to demand that God move by his spirit over your life. And when you get to your highest place, I want you to have compassion on the person that's at their lowest place. I need a witness in the building. I want you to be saved and sanctified and full of the Holy Ghost. And when you get your prayer language and you get your house and God moves by his spirit over you, I want you to come out of your neighborhood and I want you to go to the lowest place and I want you to grab somebody and I want you to bring that bra up. I want you to, I want you to lead your son and I want you to lead other people that ain't got no fathers. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. I want God to bless you and make you rich. I'm watching every Colorado game I can watch. And, 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 and the reason why I'm watching is because if there's, listen, if you can be inspired by any, if there's anybody that is fully persuaded that God is on his side, is that Deion Sanders guy. I'm going to tell you right now. He believes he is special. But you, if you examine what he has actually done, he started coaching these kids when they were little. His sons were little. He started coaching them. Then he decided he'll just coach whoever wants to be coached. He opened it up. He spent his money. Did you hear what I said? He spent his money. And now he's become a father to the fatherless. And look how God has turned it around and is blessing him. Because he didn't get it just to have it. I wish I had a witness. You can't get it just to have it. You got to get it to give it. But if you give, it shall be given unto you again. Good measure. Press down, shaking together, running over. You don't get more being stingy with what you got. 
Believe me, I want God to bless your building. I want God to bless your money. I want God to bless your business. I want God to bless your family. Gentlemen, I want God to make all of, I want the Lord to make all of you kings. But when you are when you are crowned king, I want you to come down and walk through your community and I want you to impact somebody's life who needs you because you are needed. Can I get a witness in the building? My sister, I want you to be queen. I want us to crown you queen. I want you to be queen. I want you to have power and say, and when you get there, I don't want you to just buy shoes for you. I want you to take somebody else shopping. I want you to get somebody else's hair done. I want you to have so much that you're blessed. I want you to teach class to a classless world. Folks so mad at me for talking about how to have. It's just what what well, okay, great. We all need to start talking. We all need to share. We all need to talk about what God has done for us. So that God won't just bless you but use you. Can you give? I want you to give. I want you to take a picture of that. I'm telling you, what we're building is not just going to be a church building. We're going to have a sanctuary that's going to be state-of-the-art. We're going to share with the world. No doubt about it, that's where we're going. But we're building a 100,000-square-foot building because we want to be able to minister to the community. We're going to have counseling center in there. First thing we're going to have is this counseling center because people need therapy. I said, people need therapy. Everything is not a demon. Some stuff is, some stuff is crazy. I want business incubator. I want folks, I want people to be able to walk in. I want a young man, gentlemen, I want a young man to walk in and be like, I don't know what I'm going to do next. And I don't want to just give him a Bible. I want to give him a plan. I want to connect him with a job. I want to help him figure out how he can get into a work program. I want to give somebody a chance that the world won't give a chance to. The devil is a lie. I want, I want us to impact from within. I'm tired of asking everybody else for help. I want us to help us. All this praising and all this singing and all this giving and all this watching, it can't just be for us. We have to touch the world. And our community needs us to stand up. So I want you to dig down deep and I want you to give a good offering to the work of the kingdom of God. Don't eat more chicken than you give to God. It's between God and chicken. Chicken is God's biggest competitor. Don't give more to Starbucks than you. You know your drink. Don't you dare leave here and go get your half-caffeinated, decaffeinated splash of lemon. I'm looking at my dog. Don't you dare do it and not give to the kingdom of God. You can't get a coffee drink. You spending $8 on a coffee drink and can't give God $20. Can you give? Can you give? I don't want to make you feel shame. I just want you to join with me. I need your help. Let's give. Come on, let's pray. Lord, I just want to thank you for this opportunity that we have to give. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for healing and deliverance. You said you sent your word and healed us and snatched us from the very door of death. And so we're believing you. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for this Sunday service. Thank you for our moving by the Spirit. Take this offering and multiply it supernaturally. You know where we're trying to go. You know what we're trying to do. Somebody watching around the world, God, can change our whole situation in an instant. Change us. And we'll praise you for what you do and say. You're worthy in Jesus' name. We all sit together. Amen.
God bless you as you give. I say, God bless you as you give. So many amazing things in the bulletin, and we've got so many awesome stuff that's happening and coming up. And uh, invite somebody to church. That was lame. I said, invite somebody to church. Invite somebody to church. Say, hey, why don't you come, come go to church with me? I can tell you right now when you say that, they're going to say, ah, church. You need to say to them, yes, this is not. It's not your mama's church. It's not your grandmama's church. It's not your average church. There's going to be some stuff we're going to talk about that applies to your life. It's going to impact you. You're going to feel the Spirit of God. We're going to pray for you. Nobody turns down prayer. We're going to pray for you. People need prayer. People need the Lord. If we ever needed the Lord before, surely we need him now. I said, if we ever needed the Lord before, surely we need him now. I said, if we ever needed the Lord before, surely we need him right now. We need him. Every hour we need him. We believe in God's best for you. I'm believing that God will bless you coming and going in the city and the field. When you come and when you go, his hand will be on you for good. All right, jump on your feet. Let me pray for you and let you go. Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all the days of our lives. Thank you. We feel like traveling on. Our heavenly home is bright and fair. We feel like traveling on. You've been so good to us. You've been so good to us. We know that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and we're running with perseverance, the race marked out for us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Thank you for living so big in us today. Thank you for speaking to us and through us. Thank you for this great company that gathered together. Thank you for everyone that watched around the world. Now, God, have your way in us. Dismiss us from this place. Cover us with your blood as we turn our phones off, as we turn our TVs off. Lord, as we, as we turn off our YouTube connections, as we, as we leave, God, still cover us. Anointing rest on us. Be God in our situation. Heal our bodies. Heal our minds. Heal our destiny. Have your way in us. And as we always pray, bless your people. Make your face shine upon your people. Be gracious to your people give us peace and let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight God you're our rock and our redeemer we love you in Jesus name we all sit together amen God bless you God bless you thanks for coming to church today God bless you hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.